This is the Christian Life Coach Collective, and I'm your host, Laura Malone. We're talking all things coaching, concepts, tips, tools, self-coaching, mindset, faith foundations, and definitely entrepreneurship because I want to support your calling as a coach and help you build a thriving online business with God as your CEO. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. Okay, friends, we are back today with Coach Patty and talking about your identity and purpose in this series. And we're talking about your primary identity as a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God and your secondary identity as an individual in the father's house. Okay, so let's jump on in because this is an awesome conversation. Today, we're talking about identity in both in Christ and then in as the in the father's house like i want to talk about the difference between our primary identity and our secondary identity and i see that kind of like as believers in jesus we have this primary identity that is associated with being his brothers and sisters being co-heirs with him mm-hmm. and it's like in our primary identity it's a place where we can all be together and know that we're equal, that we're all chosen and adopted. But then we're all in the father's house and we all look different. So true. That's where we get that like secondary identity of how I am different than you. We're both equal. We're both highly beloved and valued in the father's eyes. And there's enough room for all of us in his heart. He loves each one of us equally, but we're different from one another. And we're supposed to be different so we can reveal him to the world differently so that all aspects of who he is, is revealed. So Mm. let's dig into that. Just talk about it, where it says in the word about our identities there. And then I don't, maybe we can get into a little bit down the road. Like, how do we figure that out? You know, when it comes to your um, secondary identity, how do you get a little bit more information and where do we go? in the word to do that. So I know that you have a real passion for identity and purpose. And I know that you coach in that direction. You love things like personality assessment, like I do. So we can kind of dig or dig a little deeper into understanding ourselves, having greater self-awareness so that we can take that to the Lord and let him refine us with our knowledge and know how to pray you know, I know this about myself, so I need to take it to the Lord. I need help here, et cetera. So, and I know you had some really great scriptures just for that primary identity as sons and daughters in the kingdom. So I'm gonna let you kind of go with that. Yeah. I think, you know, our primary identity is like you said, as believers, we're all called to be sons and daughters. So Uh, We talk about this a lot. Men and women both are called to be sons, and we're also called to be the bride of Christ, which is really hard for some people to understand, but that's the truth. We're all called to be sons of God, and we're all called to be the bride of Christ, and it's not necessarily gender-related because uh, this is who he called us to be. Um, I like what it says. Let me just look up a couple scriptures here. Uh, Ephesians 1 5, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with good 
the good pleasure of his will, to the glorious praise of his grace, with which he favored us through the one he loves. He called us from the foundation of the world. Everybody was born on purpose for a purpose. And he called us to be his sons and daughters. And the moment that we say yes to him as our Lord and Savior, we're introduced to Jesus, whether you're two years old or whether you're 75, it's never too late to be a son or a daughter. And it's not too early ever to be a son or a daughter. So he called us to be in his kingdom. And I think we talked about it last time that he's such a gentleman that he never imposes himself on us, but he gives us the choice of free will. So we can decide for ourselves that we need a savior. And he even tells us in the Old Testament, choose life. <laughs> I'll give you the answer. Choose life. So that's really good. Uh, in John 1 12, he also says to them who received him, he gave the right to be called sons and daughters of God. And really our identity in Christ means that we have the same relationship with God that Jesus has. Now that is just, I don't think most people really believe that, that we have the same relationship with God that Jesus has. What do you think? Do you think most people Really I think that sounds crazy. I think you're just totally talking crazy when you try to believe that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what most people would say. Even for me, I think it's it's so big to try to comprehend that. Even mm -hmm. though I, my spirit knows it, my yeah. soul is like, how is that even possible? I'm not good enough. I'm not like, there's no way. But when you recognize what's actually been done in the spirit, the eternal realm, that belief in Jesus because of the work of the cross makes all of that possible and true, but it's really hard to contain. I think in your own, in our finite limited minds. Yeah. But the Bible also says, uh, that we resemble our father that he, um, he made us, he said in Genesis one twenty six. he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so, gosh, it's so true. We're seated at the right hand with Jesus in heavenly places. So we have to be belongers. <laughs> we belong. Uh, I like to say, um, be who you've been becoming. I mean, it's time for us to wake up and stop, um, stop thinking that we're not good enough. I mean, the Bible has so many places where it tells us if we would just allow our hearts and our minds to be open up to the truth of the word that we belong to him. And then we just need to get that right and let it sink into our hearts and say, okay, I'm not going to go around with this negative stuff anymore. I'm just, I do believe I trust. And it's a matter of in, even increasing your faith. Wouldn't you say like, okay, he said it. And so I believe it. And there's a story um, that a friend of ours, um, when he was in college, he had an Asian friend and they went out, they were Baptists at the time and they were going door to door and they were preaching to people and people were getting uh, saved and healed. And the, and the guy asked him one, he asked a man one time, I want to pray for your healing. And um, so he did pray for this guy. And our friend uh, in the ride on the ride home said, what were you doing? Like we could get in so much trouble. Like they don't teach that. And the little man said, the Bible say it, I'm just do it. <laughs> so, 
we have to we have to be that i'm just do it i'm just believe that he said it and i believe it amen <laughs> go do the things jesus said go do the things jesus <laughs> and see what happens that's right it's true yeah i think that the measure of understanding that we have about our true identity that we're in a restorative process inside of our souls to like become more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. The, the knowledge that we have about that, I think is well, less than we need. I don't know that I ever really got a lot of teaching about that from the church in my beginning years as a believer. I think only in the past, maybe five years, I've begun to hear more people talking about things that I believe and I know to be true, but trying to find people, trying to find voices, whether that be books or podcasters or pastors, it doesn't matter where it's coming from, but finding voices that speak to us about our true identity and the powerful aspect of knowing what our, our true primary identity as sons and daughters are has been, um, I don't know, maybe a tipping point for me, especially because that, you know, Malachi four, five, and six being so pertinent in my life calling and what God has said to me about the hearts of fathers turning to children and children to fathers. And I believe I'm, I just believe that also includes us as mothers and, you know, both sons and daughters, our hearts turning towards one another when we operate like we're just brothers and sisters, we fight. There's like infighting because there's com competition and there's comparison. But when we see that we are first and foremost a son or a daughter in the father's house, it can change our paradigm. And when we operate from that place, like sons and daughters, then we, can't be, we become brothers and sisters who lift one another up. Mm. We treat people differently because there's the infighting can go away. The difference between the prodigal and the um, perfectionist in the orchard. Like mm. I'm just, you know, that stuff gets put on the back burner when you operate from a place of I'm an adopted daughter. I'm yeah. a chosen son. And my identity first and foremost falls in line with who my father is and the DNA of Jesus that flows through my spiritual veins, my physical veins like that. And then when we understand the rootedness and the foundation of being sons and daughters, that from that place, we become mothers and fathers that right. turn back to the children. We become children who turn towards mothers and fathers. We become mothers and fathers from a place of sonship, from a place of knowing who we are as adopted and chosen. We're not orphans anymore. We don't have to act like that because mm -hmm. when you try to mother or father from a place of orphanhood, you can do just continue doing more damage yeah. because you're trying to act like you have responsibility and right and authority at, that you have to go take. And that just makes me think of like, I don't have to go take authority. Jesus never took authority. It was given to him. He didn't have to take it. Yeah. He had the authority and it's like, we, it's time to operate as sons and daughters, co-heirs with Jesus 
everything than the kingdom. We're supposed to, we're called to do greater things than he did. The Bible says, and you probably know where that is faster than I do, but <laughs> doing that, like operating from that place in our primary identity sets us up for greater impact, I believe in the kingdom and on the earth. Yeah. So good. And we've had so many conversations over the years, my husband and your husband and I, we've had lots of conversations about uh, the orphan spirit and, and operating under that and feeling like you have to snatch or take um, when, when you're, like you say, when you're a son or a daughter, you have that authority. So we're, we're not, when we operate as orphans, we're not receiving everything that God has for us. And uh, Arthur Burke has some really great stuff out there um, about the orphan spirit and operating as sons and daughters and not orphans. Really, really good. And um, there's some great, also some other great resources. Um, there's a book by Sylvia Gunter called Blessed in the Names of God. And she tells a story about how she received, she first met Arthur Burke and he wrote a book called um, Blessing Your Baby. And she was an adult and she uh, heard him speak a blessing, uh, one of those baby blessings. Maybe he read it out of a book. I don't know the whole context of where she heard it, but it made her spirit man come alive because she had never been blessed. Her spirit man had never been blessed as a child to be who they were called to be from the foundation of time. And that's it's something, you know, as, um, I don't think we talk about it that much either, and maybe a little more so in the church, but as believers, you know, when, when people are about to have children, it's so important to pray over your child and bless your child while it's in the womb. And, and, um, you know, I mean, she, she felt, she felt orphaned until she heard him pray this blessing. Mm -hmm. and, um, so That's her book pardon that's really powerful yeah i think we need to do it more often we need to uh, and you and i have talked about this many times before about calling our spirit man to the front once we become believers we call our spirit man to the front to have preeminence over our soul and over our body and that's where a lot of that conversation you know we strike we can strike all of that down the whole orphan spirit thing the whole i'm not good enough and i can't believe because we're when we're when we're talking like that, that we're not good enough, we're actually operating out of our soul. We're operating out of our mind or our will or our emotions. When our when our spirit is born, when our spirit man encounters God and we're born again, then we have the ability and the authority to command our spirit, to bless our spirit, to come to the front, to have preeminence and have um, to be over our soul. Command, I command my soul to be, to come into alignment with my spirit. And I command my body, my soul, and my body to come into alignment with the spirit of God that dwells in me. And so that's, that's kind of how we combat, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm right. an orphan. We just have to, you know, tell ourselves and it's a daily struggle. Believe me. Sometimes you're just right. like, oh, no, I'm cold. And how many times? Well, and you and I have had these kind of prayer times a bazillion times. Like how many times have we prayed over our kids and went, oh, no, <laughs> no, we're praying together and they don't even know it. But we're like, no, my child was called to be this. And I decree and declare. And um, 
those are powerful prayers that really make a difference in someone's identity and calling too. Yeah. So good. I mean, you can pray that over yourself. You can pray it over your family and you don't have to wait. You don't have to have your mom or dad pray those things over you. Not everybody has that opportunity or ability, but you can pray those things over yourself. Yeah. And with just as much power, if not more so even when some situations with certain parents, (laughs) because we want to release the truth, you know? And I was thinking, you know, I do the, the pearl practice and I teach that in the greenhouse course, uh, life coach training, and I use it with my clients and you and I have done it and I use it in my daily life. Um, but you know, we just kind of walk through how our paradigm where our beliefs, thoughts, and imaginations, uh, operate, and then how that affects our emotions impacts the actions we take, which creates results that we get, which culminates over time, a legacy we create. So that's the P E A R L, but then that's the old pearl. We take a situation and we go through the old pearl. And then we talk about the new pearl and that's where we get really intentional about the type of legacy that we want to create. And that legacy could just be something that happens, you know, a culmination of results over the next week or a lifetime. Then what kind of results do you have to get to create that type of legacy? What kind of actions do you have to take that get those results? What emotions and where's your paradigm that lead to taking those actions? And I say all of that because I often work through for myself and with my clients, I work through that new pearl from a perspective of, okay, I can just manage my thoughts and my emotions. I can just rise up and say like self-leadership says, even if he does this, I'm going to continue to think and feel this way because Mm -hmm. this gets me better results. I take better action that gets better fruit. If I think and feel this way, than I do, if I give in and let my soul go crazy over here and cycle and spiral, but I oftentimes I do a second pearl, second new pearl in that paradigm realm. And I say, okay, let's just say. An example that I've, I often use is my son questions everything I say. That's not currently happening right now, but it has been something in the past. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my son questions everything I say and going through the old pearl and then taking that through the new pearl and deciding that my new thought and belief system is going to be, it's not personal. He's not questioning me and I am going somewhere with this, (laughs) but He's not questioning me to harm me. And if I think that way, if I say it's not personal, this is who he is. He asks a lot of questions. Then I'm going to feel differently when he questions what I say, just because I simply changed my thought. I've interpreted, I'm interpreting his intention differently than I was because what I was interpreting was getting me nowhere. It was making me feel bad. making me feel disconnected and ultimately not growing my relationship with my son. So changing my mind about that is one powerful way to shift the kinds of results I get in that relationship. But then I'll take that paradigm work and I go a little deeper and I say, but even if it is personal, even if my son is questioning me consistently, even if that never changed, what does God say? So good. And I go into that, like, as a, like this deeper paradigm work of 
as a mom, this, Mm -hmm. but let's go deeper to the cornerstone. Let's go to the rock we're built on and go, but as a daughter, this, yeah, this is the paradigm. This is the belief system. This is the narrative and the storyline I'm truly living for from because as a mom, my soul is going to constantly try to rise up and battle this because it doesn't always feel right. It's not what I always want, but I keep trying to renew my mind and think different things and re reframe my intention, my interpretation of his intention. But deeper than that is that paradigm, real belief work and faith work that even so I'm a daughter. Yeah. And even if he, that never changed as a daughter, the new Pearl is a more powerful storyline to live from Yeah, going to bear fruit because it's rooted in my daughtership, my sonship. It's rooted in my adoption. Yeah. And I say all of that to say that when we operate from the place of what our spirit man knows, as opposed to even inside of the coaching realm, inside of self-help and personal growth, yes, mindset management, thought life, all of that is important, but deeper than that and more important than that is operating from the place of what the spirit of God, Emmanuel within us knows. And that is that even so, if those circumstances never changed, even if I'm never able to like fully gain, you know, victory over that situation or my thoughts, the truth is that I'm a son or I'm a daughter or God says this about me, or he says, I'm a royal priesthood, or he says he's given me the gift of wisdom, even if my children don't act like it. He mm-hmm. says, like going back to that place of what your dad says about you mm-hmm. in general, and yeah. then moving into that secondary identity of what has he told each one of us individually about ourselves? Like, what do we know about who he designed us to be that is personal? And it's like, you go, we all go into our father's house and we look different if, he, if we're having a family reunion, right? We're all invited to the banqueting table. But we all look differently and we all have different identities as, as it pertains to our soul and our body. And then the desires of our hearts and the purposes like he's put into us, our personalities are different, our outlooks, our intentions, our interpretation, all of these things, they're so different. Our, the way our, our minds work, all of these things, the types of emotions that are primary to some of us are different than what other people experience consistently. And he's designed us to be able to be these different, um, these different designs, these different masterpieces. Yeah. Like we all live in the museum, but each one of us is a different type of masterpiece that is invited to live in the museum. (laughs) I was thinking, you know, that's so hard for us when we start, you know, when we're all invited into our father's house and we all belong, but we're all different because mostly we just want to say that I like the me that I see in you. And so we struggle. And and I was thinking when you were talking, were you giving that example about your son? Um, uh, A lot of times uh, we lower 
our expectation. So I love that God, first of all, I love that the Lord gave you the pearl method, that he gave you that download of the pearl practice. And so we're not lowering our expectation. You're not lowering your expectation of your son by using the pearl practice on yourself and working it out. You're actually calling your son into his purpose. You're not shutting him down, but you're allowing him to be who he is when you recognize that, oh, that's how he was made. He's inquisitive. And I don't have to take this personally. Um, and I can allow him, I can teach him and craft him and help him mature in his gifting and his calling to be inquisitive and help define, um, appropriate times for inquisitiveness, you know, as a mom. And so I love that because we talk a lot about, um, We've just had this this conversation before about lowering our expectations because that just feels easier and then we're not getting hurt. But to do the work of the pearl practice so that we can mature as uh, we can go from sons and daughters to mothers and fathers who raise up sons and daughters. And so I, I love that. Um, I love that example because that's really what we're doing when we're going outside of ourselves. And yeah, it would feel a lot better for me to just shut him down right now, but no, the truth is that's who he is. And just like the banqueting table, there's room for everybody at the banquet, but not everybody is the same as you. And that's okay because we're all designed to be uniquely who we were, who we are in our individual identity and in our uh, our secondary identity and in our purpose and in our, our calling, which I know we're gonna talk about in another episode, but that's how it all works when we actually really come to that place of maturing from a son or a daughter to a mother and a father who raises up sons and daughters. So, so good. And I think that when we know and understand a at a deeper level, our primary, primary identity as sons and daughters that because that have the capability of becoming healthy, emotionally and spiritually healthy mothers and fathers. That only comes from the place of knowing your sonship, knowing that you have adopted papers and that you stop, you've chosen to do the work to stop acting like you're an orphan when in fact you've already been adopted. Because a lot of us, we resist at the adoption. The adoption is real. The paper was signed at the cross. When the blood. <laughs> right, in blood. It's, it's like we've been adopted yet our soul says, I only know the way of an orphan. So as long as our soul leads us, we're acting the way that our soul knows to act. And that's the behavior, that's the paradigm, the emotions and actions that we're operating from. So those are that we're going to get orphan life results. Yeah. I but think when that, we switch that it's like a completely different storyline that you operate from. Yeah. I think that's why David said constantly, bless the Lord. I command my soul to bless the Lord and all that is within me, you know, bless his holy name. Like it's hard. We're human. We have to continually, it's not a one-off. It's not a one and done. It's a lifetime of maturing and growing in our giftings and our calling in our identity to know when we're 
we, we actually recognize as we mature from sons and daughters to mothers and fathers, we recognize when we're operating in the orphan spirit. And we always have the opportunity to recognize it by the power of Holy Spirit. But do we take that little tap on the shoulder? Hey, right. whoop, going down, you're going south. <laughs> Go north. Right. right. And I think when we really get to that place of we're operating like a son and a daughter. And I, I say this because you and I both would say, I'm not always acting like a daughter. We have our days, we have our moments, <laughs> you know, in general, it's like, you're kind of writing that default line and then you pop up into, I'm acting adopted right now. I'm full of faith. I believe it all. And they come back down to default and something traumatic or painful happens and it dips us back. And we, in, in general, we're kind of at that like default striving mode of just going through our day to day. And then we have these moments of popping up into like full adoption and then moments where we dip back down into orphanhood. Right. And that's just the life story that we walk out. We're not meant to be this perfect version who is always at the top acting like I fully have it. I've attained it. I know. <laughs> and right. there's, it's not a pressure to act like a son or a daughter a hundred percent of the time. It's, it's the invitation to know that the door to the father's house is always open and everything in dad's fridge is yours. You can have it anytime you want it. And you're invited to remember that, that the invitation is there. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't even have anything to say if we were perfect, right? We wouldn't, um, yeah, we nothing we, to say, no story. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we, we have those times where we're, maturing and growing and learning to live and love. And yeah, some days it's really hard. And we're in process. That's, that's right. We're, in process. <laughs> we're made on purpose for a purpose. As long as we can remember that and we can be who we've been becoming. Right. Right. And we know when we operate from that primary identity as a son and daughter, and then we get more revelation doing the work that we need to do to gain the knowledge about who we individually are, which is why we use things like the Enneagram or the Nexus profile or Myers-Briggs, wherever people go, strength finders, spiritual gifts assessments. Like there's so many different ways, there's tools and God will use every tool that we have on our belt. That's right. He will speak through it, but I believe that it's our responsibility to go learn, uh, learn more about ourselves. And embrace those things, embrace that everything about our identity, there is two sides of there's two sides of the coin. You've yeah. got strengths and you've got liabilities and God wants to work through both of them. He doesn't want to get rid of one side of the coin. He wants to be there while we're weak. It's in his, it's in our weakness. He is made strong. So let's, instead of trying to get rid of that side of us. Yeah. We need to just understand it so that we know how to take it to the, to the father and say, oops, look at that. Here we are again. Here's me being weak. Well, yeah. what do you want to do? I'm bringing it to you. And do you need to like, do you have people you want to surround me with that can counter, you know, bring their strength to walk alongside my weakness because mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be strong in everything. 
fully capable of all the things. Like I need Jesus to be my all in all. And I need the rest of the body of Christ to be part of my storyline. And when we operate from I'm a son or I'm a daughter, I know I'm adopted, then that strengthens our secondary identity of who we are individually in our own unique original design of the masterpiece God designed us to be and the work that he wants to do through Jesus in our lives. Yeah. And we all have some of the attributes of God. I mean, uh, we were talking earlier, we can't possibly contain all of the attributes of God, each one of us, but he gives us, he, he made us, um, we might've already said this, uh, Genesis 126, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so he gave us parts of himself. Um, you know, when some people carry the gift of compassion or the mercy gift, you see lots of, you know, doctors and nurses and first responders who carry compassion, like not everybody carries compassion and spend some people know what to do next. And that's their compassion, you know, so we're all made differently. If we were all, um, it makes me think of that scripture, you know, says there's no, we can't all be the same body part. Like there's different parts of your body. If you, uh, were all arms, where would your legs be? How could you walk? If you, uh, were all uh, toes where, how could you see it? how, how would you know, how would you understand? And so all the parts of the body are are different, but they all come together and work. They can't work one without the other. So we're like a cog in a great big wheel or the wheel within the wheel. It takes, it takes everybody to make something happen. And so when, when we're not walking in the fullness of our identity, then we're not we're not being everything God called us to be. It speaks to our purpose and to our calling. And when we're not walking in the fullness of God, we're not bringing what he desired for us. And so preach yeah. it. <laughs> get up on my soapbox. I'm going I'm to get up one step higher here, <laughs> but so good. I mean, Yeah. We just love to talk about this. We're passionate about it because we want people, both of us do, we want people to walk in the fullness of their identity, in the fullness of their calling, in the fullness of their purpose, in the fullness of their season, in the fullness. We want the fullness. I think that was a song. We want the fullness. (laughs) I mean, I want it. I know you want it too. I think it's the um, Shekinah Glory song. Oh, Shekinah Glory. That's it. (laughs) That's a really good song. We want the fullness, Lord. We ask for the fullness. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to jump into our primary and secondary purposes in this series, in this series, but that's for the next episode. So let's wrap this up so we can move on and our listeners can move to the next episode and discover more about what their primary purpose is, how to dis- how to understand that in that the corporate sense of the body of Christ and then their secondary and seasonal purposes. So see you on the other side. Thanks for listening. And I want to remind you to go jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group. That way you can grab all the free tools that are there and enjoy a great community of coaches. And if you found this free content on the podcast helpful in any way, 
please take 60 seconds to go to the Apple podcast app on any iPhone and scroll down to give a five-star rating and write me a review because it's the best way to say thanks and let me know you're loving the show. Have a great one.